It's Friday, July 15th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! podcast is brought to you as always by man rubs rubs barbecue tools blow torches t-shirts coffee cups and all around barbecue related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on instagram manrubs use the code steak 15 to 15 off your order also brought to you by stay ready gear they're at stayreadygear.com and on instagram stay ready gear usa holsters custom kydex mag carriers tourniquet carriers on and off duty gear Hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. Folks, listen, I'm going to level with you. Mike Lindell, he's been all over TV saying it. Last chance to get the biggest savings in the history of my slippers. Right now, they're over 60% off. All the way down to $49.98. But it's only while supplies last. And when you enter promo code STEAK at checkout, you can enjoy those deals and a whole lot more. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment. Specializing in headphones. We found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, Noah's going to hit the garrison button no matter what I say. Get those ear needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website there on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's got a five-star rating. If you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada, he's a licensed FFL. Newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for Breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. We've got a pretty fire IG as well. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair. Home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. Still don't know? Treat yourself and go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us. Find him on Facebook. Find him on Instagram. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or via the website at SteakforBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, Frank Speech, and now via our verified account on True Social, welcome. Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 152. I'm Rowan. 
Noah's here. Yo. Guys, we've got a great show lined up. Super friend, Save America. Our Wonder Woman, Christina Bob, will be here to do the news. Nice. We're going to be sitting down with one of our favorite senatorial candidates trying to represent the great state of Missouri. Mr. Eric Greitens will be back. Missouri. And we'll be having a discussion for the first time with former Trump admin official, Garrett Ziegler. Guys, we got a great show. Thanks for joining us. Let's get rolling. All right, joining us first on the show today, first time he's ever coming on to take breakfast with us. We're very pleased to have him. He's a former Trump White House staffer. He also is the founder of Marco Polo, a nonprofit research group exposing corruption and blackmail to drive American renaissance. Sounds pretty spicy. I think we're going to like it. Mr. Garrett Zewer, thanks for coming on Steak for Breakfast. Thank you very much. Good morning. Appreciate having me on. Oh, the pleasure's all ours, sir. How's everything going with you? It's going good. I, um, you know, we just got an agreement done with the U.S. Sun, which is an outlet that is British-based, but they have a they have an American version to the outlet, and we're going to be putting out over the next thirty days a myriad of stories about the first family. You know, the spicy ones have already come out with Hunter smoking crack in a shower, getting a hand job from two women, but there's going to be stuff that ranges that pretty much runs the gamut. It's a sociological disaster that family. Uh, the president is the uh, basically the patriarch of drunks and drug addicts. And that's what he's raised. And, you know, Ashley and Hunter, two of his children have different mothers, but they're both disasters. They're both just wrecks. And that goes to show that Joe can't even manage his own household, let alone the country. So that's what we're doing. We're a nonprofit, but we're, we're partnering with different outlets that have committed to writing the truth about the Biden family. And then we've been working on this, what I'll call dossier slash report. It's over 600 pages. It's on the Biden laptop. And that's basically been my focus for the 10 months. Uh, the The election was obviously it was obviously stolen, and I've committed myself to basically exposing the Biden family. So that's what I've been up to, and I appreciate you having me on. I yeah. was posting st- I was posting some stuff about uh, the most recent uh, Biden information or Hunter Biden information that's been posted yeah. online, and somebody's like, why does this stuff always change? And I'm like, well, because this is new. This isn't the laptop. Yeah. This, is his, yes. this is his iCloud. This is brand new. Well, not his iCloud. This is his, or, this is his iPhone backup. There's backup, yeah, basically. Yes, and I've been uh, – I think the, the effort to put the iCloud word in the, the narrative and public reporting is to suggest that – that somebody, maybe not us, Marco Polo, but somebody hacked him. And I want to avoid that at all costs. I want to avoid that like the plague because oh. the Secret Service has already put out a statement. You know, we're aware of reports of Hunter Biden's iCloud being hacked. And so when we got into this backup that a couple of other groups apparently had gotten into, one of which was an anonymous user on 4chan. Yep. And I praise their their technical prowess. I want everybody to see this stuff. Yeah. Uh, but the iPhone backup, I was shaking when we got into it. And I didn't know this, guys, but and in, in, I don't I don't have a ton of background on how technically proficient you are. I am not at all. But apparently what we did and what these other groups did, there was a bounty that Apple put out for like millions of dollars for what we did. We basically got into an encrypted backup on his laptop. So I don't know if we can collect money on that. I'm sure Apple's not going to pay us for getting into the president's son's it's a iPhone backup. But what we did, I, we were shaking when we got into it, 28 gigabytes dozens of more videos, dozens of more drug deals. I mean, this is the worst shit that he wanted to, for, that, that he wanted nobody to see, basically. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> you, you know, and you, you mentioned it, Garrett, some, some of the real absolute chads on 4chan that have been working hard. 
uh, yes. you know, fighting on the digital battlefield here. Poor Chad. But, but this thing is just come <laughs> leaking into the news right now, like in the last maybe week or so. However, you were way ahead of this story, what, almost a month ago? Well, I started writing the report on uh, September 1st, I think, is when I started with the legal pad getting out. And it took me about, quite honestly, guys, it took me about a month and a half to figure out the outline because there's so many crimes and you want it. You know, some people wanted me to do it chronologically to start at 2013, which is basically when the emails start. Right. Mm-hmm. And we put all of his emails on BidenLaptopEmails.com, over 128,000 of them, uh, my nonprofit did. And we started writing this last September. I knew that it was one of the top stories of the century just because yeah. of the Pavlovian dog-like response by the mainstream press and covering this up and suspending the New York Post account, suspending the White House press secretary account. But I think that now Biden is so, he's so osteoporotically uh, limping through the world stage that maybe they smell blood in the vultures like Kamala and Newsom, even though they're, they're saying that publicly they support him they're sniffing the fact that he couldn't run again and so now although we've been on this for 10 months some of the left and some of the mainstream media has looked at it as in their own interest to start talking about how pathetic this guy is so i don't know if they're on our side uh ronan no but i can guarantee that you know more shit's going to come out because nobody's he's still protected of course but the degree with which they'll circle him like like ox and when a wolf arrives is decreasing yeah, it's interesting to see because, you know, you're the worst of the worst person ever in the world if you criticize him. And then all of a sudden, hey, you know what? We're going to have to start criticizing this guy. You know? Yeah. And one one thing I want to mention, because I know you guys have a huge audience and I don't think I've been on a show with as many people. I was listening to to what Roan posted and he said it's in the top 20. But w- one thing I want to drive home is that Hunter knew as of 2018 that his dad had dementia. And ironically, he was discussing this fact with his uh, psychiatrist, Keith Abloh, who's sort of a disgraced GOP establishment celebrity psychiatrist up in Newburyport, Massachusetts. And Keith Abloh, ironically, uh, postulated that in 2013, even in the vice presidential debate, I guess it was November 2012, that that Joe had dementia Mm. in his debate with Paul Ryan. So I don't know why Hunter picked Keith Avalo, considering he's a Republican, but I guess he's sort of establishment. He likes Joe. But, you know, the family has known this for over four years now, and we see it every day. I mean, this is just a cookie cutter case. If he can't hold multiple complex ideas at the same time, he can't say – you know, words like kleptocracy. Remember that one when he was talking about oh, yeah. the, the, the kleptocrats in Russia? He can't even say the word. And I grew up stuttering. So he always falls back on the fact that, <laughs> oh, it's my stutter. You're making fun of me. I'm stuttering. Don't make fun of me. But he, he struggles with three-syllable words. Yeah, it's, it's really sad to see <laughs> the large decline of him. Well, maybe he picked that psychiatrist because there was a group on or something. Oh, stop it. <laughs> Keith is a mess. Keith lost his license to practice medicine in Massachusetts. Some of his uh, patients had Keith's initials tattooed on their genitals. He's a, he's a sociopath, okay? And he's a, he's a GOP hack that has been in the public eye for years. And, I, and the reason I think why Hunter went to him is because he has a history of working with celebrities. And he hasn't really told anybody a lot about his his treatment of hunter and i think that's why hunter went to him he's actually discreet even though hunter's attorney is trying to throw him under the bus and blame him for his laptop debacle because hunter left another one of his laptops at keith abloh's place and so they're just basically using him as 
as a Girardian scapegoat for this entire saga. That's why I texted Keith. I said, and I texted Keith's assistant, Tiffany Abloh. I said, you're, you're, you're thrown, you're going to be thrown under the bus, just FYI. And so they kind of have an affinity for me, even though I think they're terrible people because I at least tell the truth to them. Yeah. I mean, if his, if his psychiatrist is so much of a manipulator that he's gotten people to tattoo their names, his name on their privates, then I would venture to say that Hunter probably met him at a party. That's probably how it happened. (laughs) There's a great piece that you read that your listeners will love in the Boston Globe, February of 2019. This is while Hunter was still in Newburyport. The title of the piece is I own you. And it's basically (laughs) the expose of Keith Abloh. And then Mm. one year later, almost to the day, his office got raided by the DEA. He was he was not charged in that case, but basically he was giving out scripts that weren't kosher. And Sounds he's reasonable. just a weird guy, totally. But I, I I appreciate you guys going into this because nobody nobody really wants this is a fascinating sociological uh, uh, basically saga because you know this guy, Keith Ablo, is so is so central to this scandal, but nobody usually lets me go into him because it's in the weeds. But I'm telling you, if, it, if there are any honest writers left, right wing, left wing, whatever, uh, the stories are there. And we're writing that in our report, but our report's pretty dry. I mean, we basically say in very, uh, very dry language, Hunter then proceeded to shave his gooch or perineum in the technical language with mm-hmm. a female big purple razor. And uh, what is a good man is playing in the background. Like we write it like a, like a crime scene. Whereas if somebody were like a, a journalist, they could have a lot of good stories out of this. So maybe one of your listeners will take me up on my offer. Yeah. Every new thing you tell me about the psychiatrist makes more sense. Why Hunter goes to him. The, the, the bad scripts. Like, can we get the record of how many scripts he wrote for Hunter? Oof. Viagra off the charts. Hunter yeah. was Hunter. Hunter uh, actually got, this is one of our crimes. No, mere mortals get busted for this. Hunter, not only obviously, procured crack cocaine but he actually procured black market viagra from this drug dealer that he called frankie who we cannot identify we've had two different private investigators run his run the number and we can't get a solid look on who it is behind it we've obviously tried to catfish him multiple people of multiple associates of mine have tried to reach out to him try to get more info but hunter was dealing in black market viagra all this stuff um, uh, shrooms he's a mess wow and the ironic thing is by the way I grew up liking, uh, you know, Ron Paul. I have uh, different views on what we should do about the drug problem. The reason why I bring this up is because Joe is the very man who put tens of thousands of black men behind bars for five years uh, with no parole. And so it's not that I'm saying that, oh, we should do nothing about drugs. I think it's terrible, and I think the dealers should be, you know, and the users should be held accountable. But it's just ironic that Hunter – even though he's this rich white guy, son of a senator, you'd think he'd be into blow where he's like, you know, snorting lines off uh, with $100 bills, but he was actually smoking crack, which is the exact thing his dad, you know, put people behind bars for, for forever. It's just so, so ironic. Yeah, it certainly is. And it's one of those things where, you know, the more we kind of deconstruct and, and add pieces to the puzzle that is the Hunter Biden narrative, you find out how much of a sociopath he is. And, you know, it's like he, he he's perception of reality is so warped. It's almost like he's inner monologuingly narrating his own life. Like it is a movie, um, all the stuff he does and the weird way he is with his phone all the time. Like, you know, it's, it's, I, I can understand at the mm-hmm. end of a bender, if you want to like document some of like, you know, your best slays, that's fine. But there's like, 
<laughs> thousands of hours of him just doing drugs and being like, you know, literally one of the most awful people on the face of the earth. And with some of the people he's done it with all the way up from his brother's wife to, you know, how he requested his uh, taste in hookers. It just seems like yeah. this is just a really awful person. No yellow. That's a great, that's no a great point you had, you know, and uh, one of the things that has, I wouldn't say it comforted me, but it basically solidified my opinion of Hunter is his attorney has now started to go after my group, my nonprofit, which is me and five other guys um, who have remained anonymous as of late because they don't want to get docs, et cetera. And I, I understand that, but basically his attorney, his name's Kevin Morris has called me a quote, vicious little pussy and knows where I live. And it's all terrible. And what this tells me is that Hunter hasn't changed at all. One of the great pieces that had come out of this uh, was at the Washington Examiner. They did this, the video that you've all seen by now where Hunter's constructing a video alibi with a Russian prostitute. He said, is anything bruised on you? Are you okay? Did I hurt you in any way? Yeah. I was literally, this is Hunter saying, I was literally apologizing for it taking so long to give you $10,000. That's Hunter's words. And I think what, you know, and the reason why I'm bringing this story up is because this is the second time that Hunter has ever responded to a writer. And he responded to the writer, Andrew Kerr, the Washington Examiner, by, by saying four words, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Think about a writer asking you for comment when you're constructing an alibi with a Russian hunker and you respond to him with what's wrong with you. I mean, th th over four years have passed most uh, three and a half, basically, since the since the content, the laptop was done in real life, in real time. And Hunter hasn't changed at all. Not one bit. He's still blaming all of his sins on other people. He takes no accountability. Everything is not his fault. He just blames on his addiction. So I don't have any problem running this guy over the coals because he's shown no remorse. It's all because of the drugs. He blames all the bad shit he's done on drugs, and he's just a terrible guy. So I felt that was important because some people think, oh, don't beat up on him. And it's like the boy is only 52, yep. right? This isn't Baron Trump, you know? Give me a break. No, you're 100% right. And, you know, in addition to doing all of that stuff, he continues to trash the people who have been like legitimately his only support system throughout the course of his completely messed up life. And that's his family. We've seen through some yep. of those emails and messages. He trashes his stepmom. He has zero respect for his father and, and knows, you know, the only thing Joe Biden's good for is throwing his name around to line his pockets with whatever corrupt business deals he's getting into. And, uh, you know, as, as, as this narrative continues to grow and we paint a more clear picture of it, it's going to be interesting after we see, what happens in the midterm elections, just how far. I mean, if you look at the laundry list of people who are in line to get whacked, metaphorically, once the House and Senate flip, you're talking about everyone from Joe Biden, Alejandro Mayorkas, Merrick Garland, you got Austin and Millie, uh, Dr. Fauci, just to name a few. And then there's this Hunter Biden thing. How much of what he's done in the background over the course of the last decade or more is going to, you know, tie itself into a lot of these things that are happening right now, the removal of the tariffs and taxes on China and, and a lot of the, you know, funds that are going to people in Ukraine, not to fund the war, but to like, you know, help their regular government keep the lights on. It's just, you know, really interesting to see where we're going to go with all this. I, I feel like even though you, you've uncovered so much and we've learned so much from this narrative, uh, we're, we're just scraping the top of uh, what's going to be a pretty big iceberg under the uh, 
water level right there. Garrett, I did want to talk mm-hmm. to you while we still got you on. You know, a lot of people in our listenership want to know about some of the times you've had when you worked inside the Trump administration. Obviously, we're not going to ask for those presidential privilege-type like moments, but at the same time, just what the kind of atmosphere was like, what, what was it like working on the ground in, in one of the most, you know, heavily scrutinized, but obviously the most America first administration probably in the history of our country. And, uh, you know, based on the things you do now, what are some of the things that you saw and experienced that you pulled away from that that's kind of uh, developed into things like Marco Polo right now? That's a very good question. I think that my experience was a lot different than pretty much every other staffers in this in the, in the sense that I work for Peter Navarro, who is one of three people who have stayed with the president by his side from the um, 2016 campaign all the way to the present. Yep. You'll note that he was one of two people along with Steve Bannon to get indicted uh, for contempt of Congress. They're after him like, uh, you know, stink on shit. Yep. And it, the reason is, is that Peter is so instrumental to the Trump economic vision. And so you ask what it was like. I think it was a, it was a pleasure working for Peter, knowing that we were uh, trying to implement the president's economic vision. Uh, it was a total uh, shit show with regard to personnel, I must say. The personnel inside the White House was awful. Um, I have basically a list of who should go where, should we return to power. And a lot of our time, honestly, Roan was arguing with other staffers yep. about what course of action, you know, the, the ingratiation and the infiltration of the RNC in the establishment was so thorough that a lot of times we just were fighting, say, Stephen Mnuchin at the Treasury Department. And so it was an amazing experience. I'm grateful for it. The thing we focused on most was exactly what you just said before your question, which was the the Chinese question of the most important, top three most important issue uh, geopolitically is the the relationship between America and the, and the Chicoms. And if we don't get that figured out, and that's why I'm, that's in part why I'm doing Marco Polo to, to sort of lead into your, the last uh, clause of your question, which is the, the, the Chinese are behind this. That's why we named it Marco Polo. It wasn't just because we thought it was cute. It was this Venetian explorer explored the Orient in the 15th century. And we think, and it all, and he knew that a lot of it led back to China then with the yep. Silk Road, with everything else. And this is our new Silk Road. The Chinese are behind uh, the Biden's foreign influence and behind their compromise, and they're pulling the strings now. And so uh, the, the, the Trump administration, to me, when I look back on it, term one, and I do think he'll be the second president in American history and served on current terms, Agreed. like Grover Cleveland. Uh, when I look back at it, I, I see the only person to be awake to the Chinese problem. And for that, I'm extremely proud. There were unforced errors with regard to personnel. But remember, he had so much going against him. He's the first person to ever break the party cartel in American history. And he had to fight a total hoax for so many years. And so, you know, he knows about our work at Marco Polo. Uh, one of my former colleagues is with him a lot. Um, and, and she says that he he's asked for, for our work at Marco Polo on Hunter. So I'm very honored by that. And, you know, I'm going to be putting out this over 600 page report next month and I'm I'm ecstatic. So I hope I get to talk to you guys again. And I hope that, you know, we can discuss in greater detail the issues around personnel, because I think personnel is the most important thing with, you know, when constructing a team and how I can humbly and how I'm humbly submitting how I can help in that regard. Yeah, you know, you're right. We, we've had so many former uh 
high-ranking administration officials who still have great relationships with the 45th president. Obviously, Cash Patel is a reoccurring guest on this show. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah. is, so is Max Miller, Christina Bob, Paige Willie, uh, Alex Gray. A lot of the people who were, you know, closest to him in some of the most critical moments for the administration. And, of course, you mentioned mm-hmm. Dr. Peter Navarro. We have the most admiration for that guy on this show. No one has ever taken China to task more than Peter Navarro has in the course of the four That's years that he worked for the Trump administration and exposing a lot of the things that, you know, I think the CCP buying up all this land, not just in the United States, but places all over the world that, you know, their governments went bankrupt on COVID. And then China comes into just like scoop up all this land and says, oh, yeah, we'll rebuild your infrastructure. And if you can't pay it off, you know, we'll just own your country. And they've done it for everywhere from the third world in Africa all the way up to more modernized countries like Italy. And and we're really starting Mm -hmm. to see, you know, a lot of more of the geopolitics side of it. And, uh, you know, Dr. Navarro is one of the strongest people. He's been on our show. We love talking to him. He's actually his new book's getting ready to come out in September. So he's going to be joining us at some point in August. We just talked to uh, his manager recently. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's like you said, you know, working behind the scenes and and moving forward after these midterm elections. It's looking like President Trump's getting ready to announce pretty soon. And when he does, I I hope that they get an early start off on that staffing, because I think that's one of the biggest things that uh, crippled him from the inside out, you know, for all the work that he was able to get done. Uh, you know, he, he really would have been able to do so much more if he didn't have the administrative state stacked up against him. Everything from White House legal all the way up through, you know, the unappointed True. career officials that work throughout all of our federal agencies. And there's 600 of them for all the people that are listening. So Yes, and you make, you make a great point. And we're not saying anything the president already hasn't said publicly. He knows that um, there's so, Judas is abound. Yep. And we saw it. Two of Mark Meadows' aides have just, Cassidy Hutchinson and Alyssa Farrah. I mean, yep. they're miserable hags, and we're dealing with the fallout from those bad staffing choices from Meadows to to this day. So, you know, Peter was a dream in regards to a first boss, and you know, I'm just chugging away and writing every day, and I think you guys will be pleased with what we put out. I appreciate you having me on. No, we certainly do, and, and most importantly, before we cut with you today, Garrett, is we want to direct as much of our listenership to follow you either on social medias and, of course, the websites you want to give out. We'll live link them in the show description today, and I could for sure, uh, I could reassure you that you'll be back on the show with us sometime soon to have another discussion. Awesome. Thanks. Take care. God bless you both. Thanks for what you're doing. All right, jumping next on the show with us today, one of our favorite recurring guests, great friend, attorney at Save America. Serving the 45th president of the United States. Miss Christina Bob, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I love being on the show. We love hosting you. How's everything going with you? What's news on your end? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, primaries are well underway, of course. Uh, scorecards and all that for President Trump's endorsements and trying to make sure that as many MAGA candidates get into the right seats as possible. I think it's looking really good. Um but yeah, just a, a lot of election stuff happening at the moment. So, yeah, we got a lot of primaries coming up here. We see, you know, obviously the president's scorecard is is outstanding. We saw um, a lot of our listenership saw we shared portions of it on our social media. Is that great interview that well your good friend Chanel did with him last weekend? She talked a lot about the midterm elections, and uh, you know, it was it was good to hear the president weigh in on how that whole system he has, and and how much input he says he has into you know a lot of the endorsements and stuff like that are are going mm-hmm. down, and and to see the success of a lot of those candidates. So, I don't know, we're we're, we're really hopeful, and uh, we've got some big ones coming up. August second is a huge date uh, for President Trump and the Save America movement. And uh, we'll, we'll just have to see with places like you know Washington State, Arizona, Missouri, etc. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people in there who's going to be uh, hopefully helping out after January of next year. 
I think there will be a lot of people helping out after January of next year. And I think we'll be in a much, much better position as a nation. I'm excited about it. I think, you know, it's been pretty painful so far. I think it will continue to be painful, Yeah. but I think the bleeding will stop after the midterms. Yeah. You really see the people who are in Washington, DC right now. Uh, you know, a lot of the people who are in the beltway, you know, they've done enough to an extent, but we've really kind of deconstructed this over the course of the last couple of months. And, and with a lot of our guests who are, you know, regularly on the show or former Trump administration officials, some of the high ranking ones like, you know, Rick Rennell and Matt Whitaker, you know, they've really weighed in on some of the things like the administrative state, but they've also, you know, kind of alluded to the fact that it, it, it might be a numbers game now, but they, they, they wish some of the people there who are, you know, the ones that are strong backers of the president and the America first movement would push back a little bit more, but we're hoping after they get reinforcements and, you know, following the midterms, we'll see, uh, a lot of things changing uh, in, yeah. in contrast to what we've got going on now. Yeah, I think we will. And you know what I'm curious to see? I, this might be wishful thinking on my part, but I'm just curious and it might be more likely at the state level. But I'm curious to see if Democrats start changing their tune. I don't think the Democrat establishment will. But for example, in Virginia, when we saw Yunkin have that amazing win and a lot of really good MAGA policies come out of the Virginia election, some of the Democrats in the, the state house and Senate in Virginia kind of sided with the Republicans specifically on the school board issues and the education issues, because they just saw that that it was so overwhelming that that's what the people wanted. So mm -hmm. I'll be curious to see if that trend, if, if that becomes a trend or if that was just a Virginia thing, but I think we might start to see some Democrats just go, you know what we're losing and we just need to change the way we're doing things. I think I think it will obviously have to be the moderate Democrats to, to lead the way on that. But I don't know how any I don't know how any of the Democrats can look at what's happening right now and think they're doing well. Now, the only the only chance they have is cheating in the election, of course, which we're certainly working against. But um, I'll be curious. Yeah. You know, I'll just be curious to see what they make of this massive red wave that's coming in November. No, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, just to piggyback off what you said, since you used Virginia and, and, and Governor Yunkin as an example, I don't know if you saw, but this week there was a, I saw an editorial that came out that said there are there are 300 state employees in Virginia who are walking away from their jobs because uh, the never Yunkin movement there doesn't want to go back to in-person working. So oh. 300 state employees are quitting because they don't want to go back to work in person uh, at the state house and stuff like Governor Yunkin has uh, mandated them by the end of July to go back to work. And they're all like, now nah, we'll go find other jobs. Wow. Well, that. OK, I wasn't aware of that. That's an interesting development, you know, and I'm sure you guys see it where you're at, too. I see it here like every store, every restaurant I go into is hiring Like people just there seems to be this pandemic among the yeah. left mostly that they don't want to work and they don't want to uh you know earn a living they want these handouts and it's kind of bizarre because like what do you do with your time if you're not working like how do you spend your time so uh that's disheartening but you know what 
you know how the miller military is purging conservatives with forced vaccines and all that maybe yes. like actually asking employees to show up to work is how you get rid of the crazy liberals who knows i know it's, it's a really good point that you make and uh you know something that's uh it's, it's a true statement we we, we hope you know, to see stuff like that at the administration, administrative state level once we get these America First candidates in there because that's one of yep. the things that, you know, they all talk about it now. Uh, they all know what the biggest issue was with, with the Trump administration. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things. There were items on his agenda that he promised to get done that he worked diligently to get done that he wasn't able to only because of the administrative state. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, just about every single one of our guests that worked either in Washington, D.C. or directly with the president have said the same things. It's these career appointed officials with no job or I'm sorry, no bosses and, you know, just slow everything down. And they know that if they can like hold the line for three or four years, it'll be the next person in there and a totally different agenda to slow down. Yep. No, I, I think that's true. But I also think we need to acknowledge the fact that there were a lot of Republicans working against President Trump, a lot of political, uh, officials working against the president on his agenda despite that he still was one of the most productive presidents we've had Ever. in our lifetime so yeah um so yes the career bureaucrats certainly were a problem but i i think the quote-unquote political republican uh you know operatives that supposedly supported the president but never actually did were also a large part of the problem the good news is we know who they are now and we know who they are not like the people that are still with the president now and that are working to save america and bring back everything that we love about this country we we see it everything's been laid bare everybody knows who's who and what they stand for and what they support and I don't think President Trump will have the same problem in his second term. I don't think so either. And it's, it's one of those things, like you said, you pointed it out. There's so many of these uh, people who we've identified in the party at the you know Senate level, and they're holding governorships and, and House representatives who have either decided not to run free election, retired, or are getting absolutely destroyed by people that President Trump had enter those races to primary them. And, yeah. and, and I, I just think it's a big part of it is a numbers game. And, you know, for, for a lot of the things that these people, at least who come on our show, who are saying, and we've had about, I think, over 90% of all the Trump-endorsed candidates at the governor, senator, and, and House representative level come through our show at least once, uh, it, it sounds like things are going to be pretty good following the midterm elections. I think so. I think so. And I think it'll be a test of the states to see the, the people in the various states how much they're willing to be involved and how much they're willing to work to secure their elections. Because, you know, Virginia and New Jersey were perfect examples. People showed up in Virginia. They volunteered. They were active. They were uh, involved and cared about the election. In New Jersey, people didn't show up. They they weren't involved. And New Jersey had to delay the result 10 days. And after 10 days, the result flipped from the Republican candidate to the Democrat after they found a whole bunch more ballots. So weird. I think we're going to see some really good progress in states like Wisconsin that have worked really hard to shore up some of the, the problems with their elections. And then I'll be curious to see, you know, which states we see the same same struggles with. So uh, you know, it'll be a good litmus test for who's making progress for 2020 and who's not. Yeah, I definitely agree. And, uh, you know, we, we saw President Trump tease that he's made his decision on what's going on with him and his uh, quest to retake the, the presidentship mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that now. So it's kind of a waiting game to see. I think obviously a lot of people in our listenership and, and of course, you, Christina, we all know that the answer. We, we can only say it unofficially, though, but yeah. uh, we, we know it's coming soon. And, and you know. 
we're extremely hopeful. We, it's, it's really sad to see how this country has been torn down so fast yep. and, and on so many different levels. And, and, you know, moving forward, we just want to be able to see, well, as cliche as it sounds, this country be great again. And I think that's one of the things the president's hammering. Real quick before we get into the news, uh, I know you went up to Alaska last week. It's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched and, and, and really enjoyed it. We broke down the entire rally on our Tuesday edition of the show like we do every time the president hosts one. And uh, I don't know how you feel because you, you still work with him so closely, but from you know an outsider looking in, I think that was probably one of his best rallies since 2015, 2016, hands down. He really channeled a lot of, you know, you heard his like actual New York accent come out. He was <laughs> dropping, you know, curse words like he does, which makes it so much more interactive for the audience. It puts like a real yeah. human aspect on it instead of like hearing a politician that knows they need to stay in the parameters of the teleprompter. I would say he was about 80% off of it. And, uh, you know, it was, it was one of those things. It was great to see his energy level, you know, really starting to spike now as we're getting close to uh, heading into the general election season for the midterms. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I, I told him that. I said, that was by far the best rally I have ever been to. Now, I haven't been to all of them. I've been to the vast majority of his post-election rallies. Uh-huh. But that rally was electric. It was incredible. You know, I was there all day. I was working with uh, Right Side Broadcasting, doing yeah. the commentary. And uh, the crowd was just so excited. And I was working with Brian Glenn. And we were talking like spontaneously, you know, the crowd was doing the wave when there was nobody in the Coliseum, like Trump wasn't there. Mike Lindell wasn't there. You know, Sarah Palin hadn't come in yet before, like the big names came in, they were already doing a wave. And Brian made the comment. He was like, normally the wave starts, you know, you have a mascot or somebody <laughs> on the floor, like encouraging people to do the waves. They just did it. And then they were broke breaking out and chanting and they were so electric. And I don't, I don't know if it's because they're so excited to get rid of Lisa Murkowski or if it was because it's Alaska and you don't have a lot of famous people come up to Alaska or I don't know, maybe they're all just in a great mood. But the crowd in Alaska was phenomenal and they absolutely made that rally. I know that you're 100 percent correct. And I think, uh, you know, the better parts about it was uh, they do have some great candidates running out of there. Both Kelly and and Sarah Palin are are Mm -hmm. two strong candidates. I think getting Lisa Murkowski out of the Senate is is, is critical to the success in, uh, you know, removing Mitch McConnell from leadership. I think that's the most important thing overall. And then getting back to voting for those uh, America First agenda policies, which we haven't seen at all since the start of the Biden administration, numbers yep. game-wise only. But, uh, yeah, it, it was awesome. And then when you talk about Sarah Palin and, uh, you know, all the stuff that she brings to the table, so much experience and how she's been just great over the years and, and a real strong supporter of the president, I, th- I you can't really find a better one-two punch in, in any other state. Maybe – Arizona, I think, uh, between, you know, uh, Carrie Lake and Blake Masters. And they've got a lot of other great candidates running that there as well, all the ones that Trump's endorsed, Abe Hamaday, Mark Fincham, and then some of the House seats. Yep. Uh, but but I think what's going on up in Alaska right now is uh, definitely good because if, if President Trump can win the presidency in, in the next election and then you have, you know, Sarah Palin in one of the House seats and Kelly Chewbacca as your, as your yep. senator, you're going to see all those uh, – heading back to energy independence again with the help of, uh, of your senator, like probably we've never seen before. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. And it's, it's kind of fun that it's Alaska because, you know, po- political campaigns don't necessarily focus that much on Alaska because they don't have a huge population. They've only got three congressional seats and, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not necessarily a, a heavy weight of a state when it comes to influence. Mm-hmm. 
But the fact that he went to Alaska and the people of Alaska are so engaged, I think it just highlights the fact that he's draining the swamp all the way down to Alaska and getting down to these state houses and senates. He's absolutely draining the swamp and we will have a real America first. Like the fact that we even have to say a government that wants to put America first is ridiculous to me. Like, what do you mean our government has a problem with doing what's in our best interest? Like, how is that even a platform? I I don't get it. It's absolutely insane. That's what it It is. It is so insane. How, how, I mean, these people in theory work for us, right? And apply for jobs for us. What employer would hire someone if they're like, Hey, I'm hiring you because I'm trying to build my business and do great things with my business. And they said, okay, but I don't believe that your business should succeed. I don't think your business should do better than other businesses. So I'm going to do everything that I can in my power to make sure that you are on par or less than your biggest competitor. And did I mention that I hate all your customers? Right, right. Like what employer would be like, you sound like you're exactly the kind of person I want here. But yet that's what we're doing with our elected officials. It's just like, how did, how did this even happen? Well, when you see the amount of, uh, let's just talk about the walkaways real quick, because it's going to tie into, you know, the first part of the news that we're going to get into, which is poll numbers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Latinos across the country, or, or as some some sex call them breakfast tacos. Uh, you know, <laughs> Democrats are losing that demographic by numbers never seen before since they started recording numbers on them. And then you have, uh, you know, independence at almost 70%, uh, you know, saying that they won't vote for this kind of a regime that's currently in Washington, D.C. in both the midterm elections and the generals. I believe the last time I saw it, the poll was around 67%. And and then you, you want to talk about... Uh, you know, all the other stuff that's going on in regards to, uh, well, let's just look at those CNN numbers. They, they dropped that huge poll last week that said 94% of voters between the ages of 18 and 30, which is like your people who actually go out on the day of the election and vote, don't want Joe Biden to run for the president again. You can't make this stuff up. Like the man who supposedly garnered the most votes in the history of the galaxy, <laughs> now 94% of his actual Day of voting voter base doesn't want him to run for re-election in 18 months. Yeesh. Right. I like that. The history of the galaxy. This was the most popular election in the history of our galaxy. It probably was. I don't know that there were any other elections in our galaxy that had, you know, over 100 million votes cast. I like it. But no, you're exactly right. I mean, nobody likes Joe Biden. And they, I think Democrats are struggling with the idea that they have to actually have some level of reality in their messaging right now. I think they had gotten so comfortable just saying what they wanted the American people to believe, whether it had any basis in reality or not. And the American people weren't engaged enough to notice that we were being lied to. But things are so bad now that they can't just say, Joe Biden's the most popular president in the history of America, or excuse me, in the history of the galaxy. There you go. Because um, no one, it's just not believable. It's just absolutely not believable. So and they, they're going to have to learn to figure out how to come back to reality. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about it. There have been so many what people say when they first happen, outrageous claims made by Donald Trump over the course of the years. Obama spied on me in my home. He spied on me in the White House. The true. whole rush, the whole Russiagate thing. Also true. true. Ukraine phone call. Pseudo impeachment volume three that's going on true, right now with the January six, right? You, like Ray Epps is, is so in the news right now. You can't <laughs> even make this stuff. Up. So we, me and Noah, were talking about it on Tuesday. It's like 
The only thing that we haven't gotten even to the start of the disposition on is the rigged and stolen 2020 presidential election. But when you look at these poll numbers and how fast the country tanked, how the entire mm. governing body of world leadership does not want to work with this president and completely disrespects him. Uh, ignore him. It's like we've gotten to the point right now to where I think we are getting our toes to the line of starting to figure out what happened in the 2020 presidential election. And, and just based off these numbers, it's like it seems like even almost the legacy media is starting to soft condition uh, the general public for what's eventually going to come out. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. I mean, and the report that came out, I think it was yesterday by a group of six or so rhinos that are like, oh, all the reasons to prove that. Donald Trump just lost the election and that it wasn't stolen. It was 72 pages of nothing. I had the privilege of going through the entire thing and realizing they had nothing of substance in there for which I needed to respond. But the fact that they even put it out just goes to show that they recognize the American public is not believing their narrative that this was a safe and secure election. The American public knows and recognizes that the election was stolen. And so they're still trying to push that narrative. Um, I think I think if they actually thought that the American people bought their lie that the election was safe and secure, they wouldn't they wouldn't have to put that kind of information out. But Americans are waking up going, yeah, <laughs> to uh, to your point, yeah, maybe this wasn't the most secure election mm. in the history of the galaxy. Maybe <laughs> there's something to it. So. Hey, you, you want to know what? If you keep saying it around the President Trump, let me tell you something. We're the only <laughs> podcast literally in the country that not only covers every Trump rally soup to nuts, but we talk about some of the logistics of the crisis down at the southern border, right? Yeah. One fact that. Everybody from, like, the legacy media, Boomer Sweats Hannity, all the way down to Steve Bannon's War Room, and they all have pretty comprehensive coverage. They all have some of the greatest on-the-ground reporting. They don't talk about the logistics of these people that are coming into the country right now. We suspect it's somewhere north of 4 million since the start of the Biden administration, if you can count. It, it's, they're never leaving. Like, a, an overwhelming majority, well over 90% of that 4 million people, they're never leaving, ever. They're either going to have kids or they'll be in the wind or, the, you know, it's just one of those things. They'll assume fake identities. Like, a lot of people don't talk about that reality of the border crisis at all. I'm going to tell you, Dan Scavino started listening to the show recently, and you've always got our ear, Christina. President Trump mentioned it in his rally for the first time that I've ever heard him ever talk about it. You know, in the Alaska rally, it was very short. It was one sentence. And he's like, the sad part about it is that none of these people that are ever going back. And I was like, did, did maybe Dan Scavino tell him that or, or mm. somebody mention it? <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. So if you start putting in his ear, you know, most votes in the history of the galaxy, I think that would, that would probably get the crowd laughing at one of his uh, rallies. So you, you're going to have to see. As I'll do my best. You're the best. But, uh, you know, we're talking about polls. And as we get into our first news clip here, it's so funny. The legacy media, for as much as, you know, they don't want to make President Trump the biggest superstar in the history of conservative politics, uh, you know, they have all these polls that come out that say, oh, Ron DeSantis has ran on his heels and, and so-and-so amount of people don't want him to run and the RNC is not behind him, which very well may be true. We're not Ronna McDaniel appreciators on this show by any means. <laughs> she still doesn't do what she's supposed to do. And, uh yeah, I don't even want to get into that. But, you know, then polls like 585 and Trafalgar will put it out and show Donald Trump having, like, anywhere from 40 to 50 point leads. Yes, on Donald Trump is by far in the lead. If Ron DeSantis held a rally, he he would get a few thousand people from yeah. Florida. But if Ron DeSantis went to 
Arizona or Wisconsin or somewhere else to hold a rally, he's not going to get the kind of crowd that Donald Trump gets. No. Like not even close, which is why he doesn't do it. I mean, it's a it's a joke to think that Ron DeSantis is anywhere on par with Donald Trump. He is not. He's not. And the only reason that Ron DeSantis has the following that he has and has the notoriety that he has is because he's copying Donald Trump's policies. So he's the copy. He's not the original. And I think a lot of people have overlooked the fact that Ron DeSantis just signed into law mail in unrequested mail in ballots, 100 yep. percent mail in ballots for the state of Florida. So he just turned Florida into the new Michigan. Mm -hmm. So I, no, I, I, I'm sorry. Ron DeSantis has done great things and I'm not in any way trying to knock him. But for the fact he cannot compete with Donald Trump. No, I agree. And and I think Ron DeSantis could be a, a fairly good president with another successful yeah. five years. In Florida, right. As the governor, <laughs> you know? because, hey, listen, Florida is like the Pennsylvania of the southern portion of the United States. They are purple based off of some of the crappy governors and policies that they've had there over the last 20, 30 years. Oh, it's red. It's red and getting red. I, I live here. I'm, I'm living in Florida now and it's red. No, I, I agree with that. But it's it's uh, leadership at the top and, and what some of the things he's doing now in regards to uh, his policies, I'd like to see them for another five years and, and see him kind of continue to grow and develop. Yeah. I don't think he's ready for like a national race. A lot of people tried to point out uh, throughout the course of the Lexalt campaign, I, Ron DeSantis went there for a campaign event. I think there was like 3,500 people there. It was, you know, a, a big fundraiser and stuff. But they're like, oh, yeah, see, he could draw crowds. I was like, okay, first of all, Adam Laxalt is, is not. No, it's yeah. not. It, it's like center middle of the Trump rally in the very front couple rows. Right. That's right. That's right. But I said, first of all, Adam Laxalt is a political superstar and uh, family royalty in the state of Nevada. Okay, that's number one. Number two, you also had Ratcliffe, Whitaker, Cash Patel, and Rick Grinnell there. I was yes. like, you know how many people want to go and see them and, and meet their hand? You know, that's like. I would bet that Cash Patel and Rick Grinnell would garner a bigger audience than DeSantis. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And that's that's kind of what I was trying to tell him. I was like, listen, I get it. It was, a, it was, they made the camera seem like it's a big crowd. It's inside. Everybody cheered and it seemed real loud when Ron DeSantis went up there and hit those talking points. I said, but there was a lot of other people there and it was like a pay for like $3,500 yeah. a plate. It's like, you're not getting general admission, like people camping out the night before, like it is for a Trump. Exactly. Rally. Exactly. So, but you know, Joe Biden uh, is keen on his poll numbers too. And, and even though they continue to be tanking, Apparently, he's not getting fed those because when he was uh, getting ready to take off for his uh, Middle East vacation this week, uh, he was hit up by some reporters and uh, kind of lost it. Let's hear it. The Democrats who don't want you to run again. They want me to run. Two thirds say they Read don't. Read the polls. Read the polls, Jack. You guys are all the same. That poll showed that 92% of Democrats, if I ran, would vote for me. A majority of Democrats say they don't want you to run again in no, 2024. 92% said if I did, they'd vote for it. So he read the poll backwards because it was 94% <laughs> of 18 to 30 said they don't want him to run for president. Well, and also, most likely, they're blowing smoke up his rear end, telling him everything's fine and peachy. And, he's, and they, you're, you're doing they a great also job. We're talking about two different issues. Do you want him to run? And if he ran, would you vote for him? They're yeah. not the same thing. True. No, they sure aren't. And, uh, you know, it, uh, man, the way he loses it, I, I don't know it's, if you saw it's It's grumpy He calls grandpa. people Jack. I love it. It makes him sound like such an old jerk. <laughs> which, which is exactly what he is. You know, he, yeah. just, he just got off the plane in Saudi Arabia and his face-to-face -face meeting with uh, MBS, you know. That was embarrassing. Listen, 
he had like an Major League Baseball dugout style handshake with Vladimir Putin. Him and Donald Trump did hugs and the sword dance. Joe Biden got like a weird fist bump right now. And, and no, no, but he initiated the fist bump. Yeah. They went for normal handshake and he awkwardly did the fist bump thing. Like, we're still fucking doing that. And then you see MBS's face and like the They're picture they like, have oh, of like, uh, yeah, his face is just like, like super cringe. And I'm like, oh boy, leader of the free world right there. Yeah. So I'm going to fist bump you and then lean directly into your face as, as close as possible. <laughs> and yeah. He seems, he just comes across in every clip you see him, no matter, even if he's like reading from a teleprompter and reads, you know, pretty close to accurately. Repeat the line. Every clip he's in, he just seems like an old grandpa that everybody is trying to like usher him to his lazy boy and, you know, make sure he doesn't, you know, pee on the carpet before he gets there. It's just. Again. 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 Right. You see the people hitting him up on the bike trail this week, asking him where his training wheels were. <laughs> oh no, I didn't see that. Yeah, he was he was riding out in Virginia down by the beach, and there was there was a guy that got him real good. Yeah, it was like the equivalent of go get your fucking shine box. Yeah, he had on like his <laughs> he had he put it up on his uh, like his what is it Snapchat stories, and it was F Joe Biden was the caption, and then he's like, hey, where's your F and training wheels, Joe? And you see him like look over, he's like, yeah, I'm talking to you. Where's your training wheels? <laughs> I was like. This, so is, good. this is literally the president of the United States, and, and this is what's happening to him. He can't, even, well, he can't walk down the street. So mm. one of the things that, uh, you know, this administration has really hemmed up our country on right now is the, uh, we're currently at, Christine, you know, we do our, our level of metric on the show is border walls. 14.75 border walls worth of money have been funneled to Ukraine. <laughs> In, in, in the last couple months. and uh, I love that you guys do that. You're the only ones that I know of that do that. I yeah. love that you're keeping score like that. I mean, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi shut the government down for one measly border wall, but we've also we've already sent Ukraine almost 15 of them. And, you know, Tucker Carlson pulled out. Uh, I saw him on his Wednesday edition of his show. He was talking about the money that's going over there. Number one, we don't know where it's going. You talk about some of the weaponry that's gone over there. It's already wound up in we've recovered some of it in Syria. We've seen it on black market, dark web websites coming out of Pakistan. And, you know, Russia's capturing some of our own weaponry. And if they're not reverse engineering it, they're using it on the Ukrainian people. So it's like one of those things where yep. we figured out another way to uh, bankroll our newest version of Afghanistan. And uh, it seems like there's no end in sight. I like the narrative that he brought. So we're going to listen to that one real quick. And Afghanistan and, I don't know, half a dozen other countries were sending bales of $100 bills into a war zone and hoping they find the right pockets. Again, this is nuts. And yet, leaders of both parties agree we have to keep doing it. Much more of it. Dozens of Democrats in Congress just signed a letter pushing the administration, as if they needed to be pushed, to award the International Monetary Fund a total of $650 billion in new funding because Ukraine. And on top of all of that, Congressman Adam Kinzinger just proposed an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act calling for another $100 million for, quote, Ukrainian military pilots and associated personnel. Kinziger's the guy who thought the ghost of Kiev was real. <laughs> it was a video game. Now, Got all him. of this is necessary. It's mandatory. We must, according to members of both parties, because we must defend democracy. Now, we're not picking on Senator Kevin Kramer of North Dakota, a Republican state, but we want to show you this tape. He just sat for an interview with Charlie Kirk and explained that we have to send an unlimited amount of money to Ukraine. Why? To, quote, fight 
back against communist intrusion for the cause of freedom because Vladimir Putin is evil. Watch. What amount of money is too much to send to Ukraine? Because we just did $1.7 billion or more. Where's the line? Because we're up near $56 billion. Charlie Kirk does sure. this podcast. Well, wife I, I don't know that the line is a dollar amount. Charlie, I thought about I think, it. Um, each, each request or each requirement, each demand, each circumstance requires its own, its own um, discovery, if you will. Um, I don't think we should do a whole bunch necessarily at one time. I think that we should do smaller tranches just for the purpose of renegotiating, you know, reassessing the price of letting Ukraine fall to Russia, to the United States taxpayer and to the cause of, of it's liberty, like he his card uh, I think is very, points. very high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fighting the communist menace. Mm. These people never update their talking points. Oh, so Senator Kramer it. invokes the yeah. cause of liberty. And that's a phrase we strongly support. That's an idea we strongly support. That's why we're in favor of unfettered free speech. That's why we oppose vaccine mandates. But you have to ask yourself, what does the cause of liberty have to do with Ukraine? Well, very little. Last February, the Ukrainian government shut down opposition media. Then they arrested the leader of the main opposition party. Mm -hmm. Now, President Zelensky has decided to combine all television stations in Ukraine into a state-owned propaganda ministry in order to combat, quote, misinformation. Now, what is that? Well, I'll tell you what it's not. It's mm. it's not freedom. That's painful. <laughs> That's just painful. Let's do on so many fronts. Christina, how disappointing is it to, to, for you have to work in the last Trump, you know, the Trump administration and to see some of our conservative counterparts just absolutely you know, folding it up and, and, and not even trying when it comes to this. There's There's been so few voices. You you have the real Freedom Caucus members, obviously Matt Gates, MTG, Gosar, and yeah. those guys. Uh, you know, a couple senators want to talk about the fiscal unresponsibility of this, like Ted Cruz and Rand Paul, but they're the usuals who just go out and stump on those like, oh, you know, we can't lower your taxes if we're spending $50 billion a year in Ukraine. It's not really talking about America first. Right. It, it, this is like a different story. We're refunding the military industrial complex right here with, yep. with, with a war that I bet you they saw all, they all took a big hit in the wallet last year when we didn't fund Afghanistan. And that was because of President Trump. We stopped paying that crap because he wanted to get out of there responsibly, not the way the Biden administration yeah. did. But well, I think a lot of the money going to Ukraine and I, I don't have, you know, independent evidence of this. This is just my observation sure. of what I think. I think a lot of the money going to Ukraine is some sort of buyout. I mean, the amount that's going compared to what other countries in the world are going, it's bizarre. And you see the Biden family connections with Ukraine and the information that they have on the Biden family. And we know that, you know, they've been paying each other off for, you know, for years. It just makes me go. And the fact that they don't give the money in a way where you can identify where it's going and yeah. know exactly what it's being used for. That's what makes me think it's all dirty. And to Tucker's point, they're not defending democracy. They're creating state run media. They're becoming more and more communist through this process whether it's communist Ukrainian or communist Russian, I guess is the only difference, but they're, they're not becoming more independent and more democratic. So that is a farce. And then listening to the Senator from North Dakota, well, I, well that was the first time I heard that clip. And as, as I was listening to it, I couldn't help, but think, does he not understand the issues or is he, I like, I don't think it's an issue of him being corrupt. Right. He is he uninformed? Like his position on it is so clearly wrong 
that I don't, I don't understand how he gets there without being corrupt, which I don't think he is probably not, but, but how do you, how do you get to that rationale unless you just do not understand the issue at all? And I think, I think that's possibly a problem with a lot of our elected officials is they're spending so much time raising money and, you know, boondoggling with lobbyists and all that, that they, they just don't know the issues. No, you're 100% correct, and it's it's weird that you mentioned those Biden ties to Ukraine and stuff like that because the next clip I pulled, it, it was from an event yesterday over in Europe. Um, we like to talk about supervillains on this show. You know, if, if Klaus Schwab is like the Dr. Doom of our real world right here, I, I guess George Soros and, and his section of the universe would be like the Jabba the Hutt, you know, the, the mob boss of, of all this bad stuff that goes on behind the scenes. We, it's kind of funny to make jokes about it, but when, when you really start deconstructing it and seeing how he has really ruined some of the most historically important cities in this country right now with the way he's influenced mm-hmm. elections, um, he, he talks about... Well, the apparatus that Joe Biden has set up in Ukraine and uh, how it is important that that family is involved in this, uh, you know, due to their historical ties there. Let's hear it. Our best foundations, uh, they they refuse to leave and they are uh, uh, leading civil society. Uh, I also want to mention... That uh, God, he's a there was one pers- person who was evil. very deeply involved in Ukraine. Uh, that's them, that's not Biden. In fact, I got to know him uh, in the, uh, with, with regard to Ukraine. He had a lot more patience than I had in, in uh, trying to convert Poroshenko into a democratic leader. Mm. I fed up with him and I told him so, but actually uh, uh, Biden keep, kept on uh, uh, t- trying, to, uh, t- trying to convert Poroshenko in, into a Democrat. Great. Thank you, George. It's pretty interesting to hear that, you know, someone, well, with as much money and influence as George Soros is saying that he couldn't even last it had to be joe biden who you know really dug into that country and and leadership that was there before Zelensky to shape them into kind of the country they're in right now which has become relying on the united states yeah i i think that's exactly right i think um i think we've just been too lax on paying attention to what our elected officials are doing and we just assume that oh well of course, public servants don't mind not making any money and they don't mind working for not minimum wage, but you know, this is the thing. Most elected officials, most, not all, are very successful people and they are capable of doing great things, yeah. right? Which is why we elect them to be in the offices that they're in. When those types of people are stopped from becoming successful, at least as far as you know, the amount of money that they're able to make and what they're allowed to do, they're gonna they're gonna come up with other ways to do it, right? Now, some have better morals than others, and I think that's what we're seeing with the Biden family and others in that in that same vein is they're just they become corrupt because we've blocked them from being successful. I would actually like to see consider at least I would like to see discussion about 
allowing members of Congress in the Senate to hold jobs outside of Congress. Like stop trying to meddle with laws that you guys can never pass and just go work. If you're a doctor, be a doctor. If you're a lawyer, be a lawyer, work and gain money. And I have no problem with our members of Congress becoming very, very wealthy legally in a way that does not hurt the American people. What we're seeing now is the good ones aren't allowed to benefit from their position and the bad ones benefit at the expense of the American people because they're taking money and bribes and all that stuff. So I, it, this is a little bit off topic, but it reminded me of it. I just think, I think we have set up our system in a way where it's inevitable that some of our leaders are going to become corrupt. Biden is the perfect example. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see that cleaned out. Yeah, I know you make a whole lot of sense, and, and and I understand exactly what you're saying. You talk about some of these politicians. Let's just say Nancy Pelosi. You're talking about lobby groups. You're talking about special interests. You're talking about insider trading, and then you talk about anybody in Congress who, let's just say, is in the Freedom Caucus or you know the America First movement. Someone who was really loyal to President Trump. They not only nobody, none of the PACs go near them, which they probably shouldn't, because all it does is is, is take them away from what they're supposed to be doing. But it's like they, they don't get the same opportunities as those people because they're put out on an island all the way to the fact where, let's just say they like write a book and regardless of how many copies it sells, they just won't put it in the top 10 because, you know, yeah. they like President Trump. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and it's just kind of the standard we have in this country right now. And it's something that, you know, Christina obviously voiced that she'd like to see end immediately. And we obviously feel the same way. Yep. Something else we'd like to see end immediately is the uh, – state of the economy right now. I know the new numbers came out uh, in the last 48 hours that showed that inflation rose national average, not including the parlay of energy from 87 to 9.1%. Which means California is what now? 30-ish. Oof. Yeah, literally. Uh, gas is through the roof. You know, I went to two different grocery stores this morning to look for coffee creamer. There's like two different chains had no coffee creamer. They had, like, generic half and half and, like, milk, but, like, every coffee creamer was – the shelves are just, like, halfway empty out here. That's crazy. And it's crazy that this is the United States yeah. of America. It, it, it shouldn't be this way. I don't think any American – you know, any American with half a brain is okay with the way things are going. I think people are angry that they're forced to choose between – coffee creamer or, you know, generic half and half or, you know, generic half and half or nothing. And I'm not trying to make light of the situation. I, I genuinely am saying that we, we have grown accustomed to being a country yeah. that is prosperous and we expect a level of prosperity as we should, not because we're spoiled or ungrateful. I'm very grateful to live in the United States. I'm very grateful that our country is as prosperous that is, as it is, but it, it needs to stay that way. Like, there is absolutely no reason why we have to choose between generic half and half or nothing, as opposed to having the coffee creamer that should be readily available from the company that employs probably thousands of people, you know, across the nation to bring you delicious coffee creamer. Like we shouldn't be making those decisions in this country. No, you're hundred percent correct. And you know, it's one of the things that was so bad. There was literally an aisle in Walmart and I'm not joking. It was, like four shelves, floor to ceiling of beach chairs. And then halfway down the aisle, it changed from beach chairs to like those 10 pound tubs of like Cheeto balls. And, and that was just <laughs> one aisle. It was like beach chairs and Cheetos. And that was it for the entire aisle. That sounds like a pretty good weekend. Yeah. And they're, and they're, I was going to say, I mean, what, what's your point? What's Rome? wrong with that? No, <laughs> no I, I get it. Everything's fine. It's so weird. Everything's to just fine. Just go get your Cheetos and hang out at the beach. Yeah, it's like the equivalent of margaritas and fucking spin class or <laughs> kickboxing or whatever it was. 
no, it's you know, and we're not at the point right now. I haven't seen, and I know people put them out on, on like TikTok and Instagram all the time of like the pictures of food that like they pull down on the shelves to like make you think it's food because the shelves are empty. We're not there yet, at least in San Diego, but. You know, it's one of those things that I've never seen it like this before in our in our lives. And, you know, everybody in the Biden administration, I don't know if you guys had saw, there was that Breitbart article that came out this week. 64% of the Biden administration has had zero experience in, in business whatsoever. Uh, 64%? 64%. Well, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it's it's pretty awesome to see where our country's gone with, with these people at the wheel. But uh, don't worry, we have the most transgender elected officials, or I'm sorry, appointed officials, in, well, in the history of the galaxy right now. So mm. everything's right. fine. Um, oh. Scissor me timbers. <laughs> Perfect. So the rate of inflation in the U.S. is higher than just about everywhere else in the world. But the administration says, like Joe Biden says, the poll numbers, they're opposite. Mm. Uh, CNN wasn't having it when one of the administration officials came out to talk about it. Let's hear it. The rate of inflation in the U.S. is higher than it is in Canada, France, Italy, Japan, India, Mexico, China. Why? Well, here's a couple of things. I mean, first off, let's be clear. The bulk of um, the increases in prices last month were due to energy and food. And most of that was indeed due to energy. And so this is really the result of, you know, the United States and countries everywhere coming out of a historic pandemic where we have seen these ongoing challenges with supply chains, these fragile supply chains that businesses have created around the world that have made it difficult to get products to shelves in the time of this recovery from a pandemic. You add on top of that this unprovoked war that Putin has been waging in the Ukraine, and that is why we've seen prices rise. Um, So these gas prices, and again, as you pointed out, this is a global phenomenon. Again, coming out of the pandemic is global. The supply chain challenges are global. And the energy challenges are also global. Uh, absolutely. There's no question about that. But the countries I just listed that have lower year-to-year rates of inflation at last measurements, they've all been hit by the pandemic and by energy prices as well. And I'm just trying to understand why it's a higher rate of inflation here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Because it's on purpose? Yes. Mm-hmm. Because it's on it's purpose. It's intentional. It is definitely on purpose. Listen here, Jack. Everybody wants me to run again. <laughs> I don't know if you saw. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's funny that the that the media has, has really turned so fast on, on Joe Biden, and it's going to be interesting to see where that goes because I know at some point they're going to be like, okay, this is going to start costing us seats in the House and, you know, Senate stuff going on. But I don't know. It... it it's like they just used to be able to say whatever they wanted to say, and then they'd be like, all right, you know, thanks for coming on. We'll, we'll talk to you again in two weeks when things are worse. But they're not letting them do that anymore. So like we already mentioned, Joe Biden was on his way over to Saudi Arabia. He's finally arrived, had a big, weird greeting with uh, MBS, and we're going to see where that goes. Um, he, he's already made a couple messes in all the places he's gone so far. Um Starting in Israel, I don't know if you guys saw, he had a major gaffe there when uh, talking about remembrance of the Holocaust. We're going to hear that real quick. Oh, no. Honor six million Jewish lives were stolen in the genocide and continue, which we must do every, every day, continue to bear witness. To keep alive the truth and honor of the Holocaust, horror of the Holocaust, honor those we lost. So no teleprompter. He had to read off a card. He got horror and honor mixed up. Yeah. Oof. Mm -hmm. He's just so canned. 
Yes. Like he is so canned. It's hard to watch because I feel dumb watching him. And it actually feels very disrespectful that people put him up there to talk, talk to me, talk to us, right? Talk to us as the audience. And they actually expect us to listen to him as our leader. Like that's offensive to me. No, you, I mean, it's clear as day. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how many times I've shared clips similar to that. And then the caption is, you know, leader of the free world, 81 million votes, most votes mm-hmm. in the history of the galaxy. And that's all the qu- quote you need for like, after, right when he was done with that talking event, did you know they put like, don't sit here. This is the seat for the Israeli prime minister on the chairs that they walked past. So he wouldn't sit on his chair. Nice. And, and that was after. <laughs> Wait, he, what? Yeah, and that was after he did another ha- air handshake. He did it again. Those air handshakes are so weird. I hate seeing those. Well, it's a mushroom flashback, probably. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> or wait, is it mushrooms or LSD? LSD flashback. Yeah, that's what I meant. But you know, teasing his trip to uh, Saudi Arabia with former White House press sec, Sean Spicer was current. Minority leader McCarthy yesterday, he jumped on Newsmax to talk about, well, just exactly why he's going over there. We all know it's to beg for oil, even though the administration says it's not. They want to get to the bottom of certain things. So certain things like giving a whole bunch of money to Palestine while you're in Israel and then calling out Iran (laughs) in between your trip to there to Saudi Arabia. Let's hear my God. <laughs> yeah, let's hear Kevin McCarthy weigh in on his Saudi Arabian preview. Attacked the energy industry, which made America weaker, more people out of work, but it raised the price of gasoline. And where is the president today? Flying to the Middle East to beg Saudi Arabia to produce more. Instead of going down to Texas and creating American jobs, having American energy independence, um, and making us more secure and making the world safer. But he continues to make the wrong mistake and the wrong policy after each and every time. Well, I mean, you know, it's one of those things. We all know what he's done in Alaska. We all know what he did with the Keystone Pipeline. Obviously, the stuff that's going on in Texas right now. They're ha- Do you know they're having some some timeouts for their electricity when they're having record heat this summer due to the lack of infrastructure that their energy sector has down there in addition to it's all of the, evil yeah the liquid it's gold evil. that they're sitting over yeah it's, it's literally evil so i don't understand how else anybody can describe it they're literally trying to hurt us mm-hmm. and they're trying to make our lives miserable more miserable than they are they're trying to tank us to what gain like what do they think they're gonna get out of it do they think they're gonna people become... living in pods and eating bugs what people living in pods and eating bugs Mm. well yeah but like what do they what the people that are crippling our our country what do they get out of this do they think when china takes over they're gonna be like hey now we're buddies right and we're peers like we're co what they don't understand is we already lead the free world we lead the world Mm -hmm. if you want power if you want influence make america great if that's really what they're after you need to build up this country you really think that when china rolls in and takes over that they're going to be like oh well thank you so much mr joe biden we're actually going to make you co-president yeah with us like of the world it's not going to happen well that's that's actually something you know the video of the the former kgb operative that that defected to the united states yuri bresmanov or Mm -hmm. bresnov or whatever his name is he actually mentions that these people think when 
the communists take over that they're actually going to be brought into power, but really they're right. going to be, they're going to be lined up and shot. Yeah. Because they will. They're the useful idiots that have allowed it to happen, but there's no more use yeah. for you after after it happens. And that's because they don't know history. Yeah. They don't read history. They, they don't look and see how this has happened before. This is not the first time this has happened. It's the first time it's happened in this country. Yeah. But it's not the first time that it's happened. And to believe that you're somehow going to come into power and be like world dominant is stupid. Mm -hmm. The best way to have as much power and control as you can is to make the United States as strong as possible. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you make a good point. And, and, you know, it's one of my favorite memes. It's like the person NPC purple hair, like, you know, it's like, Oh, I worked so hard to tear it all down. And now I just want to read my poetry on my Twitch stream. And it's like either a Russian soldier or a Chinese soldier. And they're like giving him a shovel. And it's like, I need you to dig your own grave. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like, That's exactly right. That's yeah. exactly right. And these crazy liberals, I swear, I can't, not that they ever will, because there's not an ounce of gratitude in their bodies for anything. They're no. not grateful. They're not joyful people. They're not pleasant people. They have no love in them. They preach hate. And I cannot wait. We we are in the process of saving America. We're going to save this country. This country will be great again. And they get to sit back and watch. They'll be lucky if they're not watching from jail. No, I... I, I... 100% agree with you. And well, and they're all going to say that they're going to move to another country, but they never will. Good. Get the hell out. Yeah. There you go. No, you can say it. You know who else was fired up this week? Senator Ted Cruz. Ooh. He was talking about, uh, you know, well, he had just come back from a trip on the southern border, and, you know, he sees all the crap that's going on in the Senate right now. And in addition to that, he wanted to weigh in on, on breakfast taco-related material. Oh, so I got back-to-back -back clips from him. Let's hear uh, what he had to say about everything that's going on down there. And Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the Democrats do not give a damn. Mm. They created this. They could stop it tomorrow, and they don't want to. Mm, Christina might be his speechwriter. Because they <laughs> believe open borders are good for Democrats politically. Every illegal them? alien they <laughs> see, they view yeah. as a future Democrat voter. And if people have to die, so be it. In San Antonio, we recently saw a tractor trailer with over 50 people dead in it. Illegal immigrants who died in the sweltering heat. To drop in the bucket. Children as young as 13 packed into that tractor trailer. In addition to over 2.6 million people crossing illegally, we're seeing drugs crashing across the border as the Border Patrol agents are swamped with the illegal immigration, the drug cartels bring in historic levels of fentanyl, over 100,000 overdoses in the United States. The body count under Joe Biden and Kamala Harris keeps going up and up and up. It's not an accident. It's not an unintended side effect. It is their intended outcome. It is wrong. Joe so, you know, the destruction of the middle class is obviously their goal, and... Uh... He started to touch on that there. You know, I, in regards to the fentanyl crisis, I saw some stats that came out yesterday. Uh, over the course of the last year, fiscal year 21, we saw, I think, 6% more fentanyl deaths age 18 to 45. But the scariest demographic was that I believe the number was up like 15% for high school age kids. 
That thing. It's so sad. Yeah. It is so sad. Did you see that? And leak? a lot of it comes from, and not that I am not by any means like dr- pro drug or pro experimentation or any of that. I've never even smoked a cigarette, but um, I think there's a lot of kids, you know, they want to try smoking pot or they want to try something uh, that they're doing with their friends and they don't realize it's all laced with fentanyl yeah. and they're not taking something that they think could contain fentanyl. And they think they're they're just having a good time, you know, smoking pot with their friends and don't realize it's laced and they end up dead. Yeah, we've heard so, such sad stories from Carrie Lakes had a family member it's happened to. Uh, Governor Greitens has had a family member that it's happened to. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys saw, it was a pretty good story in the New York Post this week. A, a lady in New York City saw a dollar on the street and tried to pick it up and the dollar was purposely dipped in fentanyl. She almost died. <gasps> Yeah. Oh my gosh, why? That's just evil. Yeah. Why on earth would anyone do that? Well, why do all the people do? I mean, people are throwing other people on the subway tracks and, and beating them within inches of their life for literally no reasons because of the mental We've health lost crisis. our minds. Yeah. Like, it's these crazy Democrat cities that refuse to enforce law and order. We've just completely lost our minds as a nation. Yeah, you see, well, Mayor Adams of New York, in a week where his top staffer was beaten and robbed at gunpoint. On the mm-hmm. way to work, he goes on Stephen Colbert and pulls wrapping papers out of his jacket to be the cool guy, former cop, cool guy mayor, uh, because they wanted to, you know, drop all restrictions and start opening. You, you know what kind of fucking crimes would be happening in New York? Dude, they go beat the crap out of bodega owners for, like, not having the right kind of hot Cheetos there. Just imagine if they had dispensaries, the amount of crimes that would be happening against those store owners. Yikes. Right. It's just crazy. But I do want to stay on breakfast tacos. Senator Cruz would uh, making me hungry. There you go. Go in on Joe Biden, not to the inner caverns. Joe Biden's been president a year and a half. He hasn't been to the border once. No. He has time to answer questions about his favorite flavor of ice cream. Mm. The Biden White House has time to write speeches at something called a Latinx conference. I don't know what that is. Latinx? Where they very kindly called Latinos tacos. Well, Marco and I both appreciate being called tacos. Thing to remember about that speech, that wasn't a gaffe. That wasn't Joe Biden going off script. Some White House operative sat down and typed into the teleprompter, this is a good idea to call Hispanics a bunch of tacos. I'll tell you one consequence of what they're doing. South Texas is turning red. I'm predicting right now in November we will see South Texas, which has been electing Democrats for over 100 years. South Texas is going to elect at least two and maybe three new Republican members of Congress, all of whom are Hispanic women, all of whom are seeing the crime and disease and suffering and misery caused by Joe Biden's open borders. Joe Biden needs to get down to the border and see it firsthand. Kamala Harris needs to get to the Rio Grande Valley and see it firsthand. This is cruel, it is immoral, and it is causing absolute chaos and human suffering. So his points are very, are good. I agree with them, but is it just me or does he remind you of being in church? Like i I feel like he sounds like one of those preachers at like a big, you know, mega church. Yes. 
Yes. He sounds like a pastor. No, he, he certainly does. I mean, I like Ted Cruz. I know he's kind of a pain in the ass sometimes, and, and he's like a... A little bit. He's a... What do you want? Like a kind of Trumper? Like he knows it's the right thing to do, but he also wants to do other things. Like pick and then he wants it to be about him. Yeah, and, you, know. you know, I mean, he's held the line to a point, but he's he's just kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. He's and, like he, Cruz is fine. He's yeah. fine. But I mean, he does make some excellent. All right, quick poll: Noah, K- Kamala Harris, Joe Biden never going to the border in the next two years. No. Oh, you mean the borders are? Yeah. Why would she go to the border? Zero percent chance. Christina, yeah. you don't think either one of them are going to go down there ever? Um, I don't think we have a border, so yeah, I don't know where true. they would go. Yeah. But no, I don't anticipate them being down there. Awful. Not as awful as our last audio clip of the week, though. This, you know, Christina has been, we got her blood boiling a couple times today, but we are going to end on uh, something that oh, I wasn't allowed to speak about on Tuesday because Noah was uh, highly Ugh. scarred for life. Stop it. Uh, but we're just, Christina, did you see the. Uh, Exclusive pictures that came out from the beaches of Italy about a week ago uh, that, that showcased the current Speaker of the House uh, rocking a bikini, sort of. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then seeing her passed out in a beach chair. <laughs> oh. oh, my gosh. We, we have, well, we, I just love that she's you know, trying to buy property in Florida or, you know, do whatever she's doing while her constituents in California are suffering under the weight of the disaster that is Democrat policies in California. Oh, you mean the policies of the future Democrat presidential nominee in 2024? You really think Gavin Newsom is going to be the nominee in 24? I think he he has to. It's, it's the only way things could get worse. If Hillary Clinton doesn't run, he will American psycho his way to the nomination. Yeah. I, I, would but he, I like, like murder people with an axe. Yeah. The thing is, he just got recalled. Like, he's so terrible. No, no, he got, he's he got, so terrible. He got more popular when he got recalled. Yeah, you do know. Right. He, he, right. I mean, you know the whole right. demographic of that vote. So, it, yeah. It, but yes. yeah, just look at the head to head matchups. It would be him versus Kamala, him versus Klobuchar, him versus Warren, him versus Tulsi. Honestly, I think Warren would do better than, than Newsom. I just can't see the entire. Nobody dog. likes her, no. but nobody likes Newsom either. At least, no. at least Warren hasn't been recalled. Yeah, he just brings a little bit of like youth and charisma. I, I know he's got like the white guy, which is anti what they want running. But I mean, well, no, they'll they'll come out with some sort of weird genealogy thing, and he'll be like, he was actually born a woman. Maybe he could just Indian borrow some face paint from Justin Trudeau. I yeah. know they're friends. Yeah. So, but we're gonna hear Nancy Pelosi spoke yesterday at her weekly press conference and was triggered by the 45th president of the United States and uh, got taken a little bit off of her, uh, you know, usual. Rhetoric at the podium. Let's hear. Trump, Trump has indicated that he plans to announce a 2024 run in the next month or so. What impact would that have on the midterms and would it benefit Democrats, in your opinion? Do I ever even mention his name <laughs> when I even waste my time talking about him? What I will say is, and I'll oh. say this and I've said it again and again, Democrats have absolutely no intention of losing the House what? in November. Well, of course you don't and have any Senate. intention. Right. It doesn't mean you're not going to. Uh, we are she said, and mobilized. The and the Senate. We are fortified. We have oh. great candidates. And we have a great... Our country is at risk. Our democracy we have a great, is at risk. Our country is at risk. But what we are campaigning on are the kitchen table issues 
that affect America's working families. So they know the difference between a Democratic and Republican administration on top of uh, uh, Congress, on top of which, on top of which our democracy is at stake. I don't speculate on who's running in 2024, even if it's the former occasional occupant of the White House. Mm. What? Wow, you don't like him. That's up to the Republicans I, to figure out what it, impact it may have on them. But we do know uh, that if people vote, women vote, women win, and so do their issues. So that's what we're that's what we're about. I hope. Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, we already have Myra Flores in there. She obviously has to run again in November. But Cassie Garcia and Monica De La Cruz. When people go out and vote for women, we're we're hoping it's women like that that win, right? Not not real women, women yeah. biological women. What, yeah. um, I think uh, I think the left is completely Insane. like because when you when you hear that clip from Nancy Pelosi, I don't actually think she's lying. I think she believes what she's saying. At least in that one clip, she lies all the time. Right. But I think they've gotten so used to lying that they now believe their own lies, and you know it it's a chicken and egg thing. It's so bizarre to me, though. I, I think as a party, the Democrat Party, at least the leadership, I'm not talking about American Democrats. I'm talking about the American leadership in Democrats. They've they've bought into their own lives so much that, that I honestly think they're having a hard time of understanding reality. Nope. She's, she's clearly devoid of what's happening. Yeah, well, either that or she's starting to see the writing on the wall and she's just in complete denial about it right now because... Maybe, that might be it too. I mean, you can't even find like a far left news outlet in the legacy media that's saying that the Democrats are... I mean, they could talk about defending maybe certain House seats and, 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 and Senate races and stuff like that, but when you just look at the actual numbers... Last week, CNN was saying that like the low numbers is 255 in the House. That's historic. I mean, yeah. and it, then there's going to be some other races that, that the Democrats wind up losing between now and November simply because of the policies that they're just starting to crank. I mean, inflation supposed to supposedly could rise over two more points, two more percentage points by the end of the summer. That would put yeah. it at like nearly 12% for the country. That's insane. Numbers came out yesterday that showed the value of a dollar. Your dollar is worth 89 cents in 2022 than it was in 2021. It's Yeah. Yeah, so I mean that that's and like, prices are going up. Yeah, of course. I, I mean, like out here, gas is still over six dollars a gallon, well over six dollars a gallon. It was like six thirty four for for me today, and so then it went up again. It was like five forty yesterday. No, it, it was up this morning. It was six thirty four at the gas station, and it wasn't even that close to the freeway. It was in a little bit, and then like you know things like eighteen pack of eggs is like almost nine dollars here. Milk nine dollars like nine dollars at Walmart, oh and gas and, and a gallon of milk is like seven bucks. So it's just, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you know, what, what we used to be able to go to the grocery store and, like, bang it out, $200, $220 for the week. Like, I want to buy kid, some chickens. Kids' lunches, meals for the nights and stuff like that. And now it's like every time we go to the grocery, like, every week it's like $400. Oh, my gosh. Yep, it's crazy. California's nuts. Yeah, and so is Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, Christina, we love having you on the show. It's always great to sit down with you. You know, you're such a uh, trove of wealth of information for us. You always give us, uh, you know, some of the hottest takes. And uh, we appreciate not only you coming on for content, but your absolute friendship and, uh, well, of course, endorsement of Steak for Breakfast. And uh, we want all of our listenership to be able to follow you wherever you uh, may be. Any websites, social medias that you want to give out? Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I love the show and I love coming on. Um, on 
Twitter and Instagram. I'm Christina underscore Bob and on getter and truth. It's just my name, Christina Bob. I like it. We're going to live link him in the show description today. Hey, you think you tell the big guy hi from us? So, so we say I, hi. Of course I will. Yeah, I have before actually. Perfect. And uh, we'll of course be looking to schedule with you. Well, shortly thereafter today, because we love bringing you back at least once a month. Yes. Love it. This is the uh, attorney for save America. And one of our great friends, Miss Christina, Bob, thanks for coming on steak for breakfast. Thanks guys. All right. Coming in next with us on the show today, one of our favorite candidates running for the U S Senate Navy seal, 56 governor of the state of Missouri. Great friend of the show, Eric Crichton's. Welcome back on Steak for Breakfast. It is great to be back with you guys on Steak for Breakfast. Thanks so much for having me, man. No, it's, it's our pleasure, sir. How's everything going with you? Things are going very well, guys. I mean, we are looking at an August 2nd primary in Missouri, so we are 17 and a half days away, and things are feeling really good here on the ground. All the grassroots supporters are incredibly passionate, and people, you know, at a base level, they understand what's at stake. They recognize that the country's in crisis, and they recognize that this is no time for rhinos. Uh, it's no time for the corruption and cowardice of the Republican establishment, that you have to have real fighters if we're going to take the country back. And I will tell you, I am very, very enthusiastic and also very hopeful. Just every morning waking up to like text messages and people putting out yard signs and asking for more t-shirts and there is a tremendous grassroots passion and intensity, and we're going to keep rolling and outwork our opponents every day until Election Day. No, and you definitely have been. I mean, it's it's what uh, you know a lot of candidates refer to as barnstorming season now, those last yeah. few weeks leading up until the day of the vote. And uh, no one's hitting the trail as much as you, in addition to having some of the finest commercials for the entire election cycle yeah. out there, hands down. Yeah. Uh, you, you are one of the people that have literally been out there since your campaign kicked off knocking on doors, meeting with the people, having town halls, going to breakfast, going to the range, uh, doing the things you need to do to get out there. And, uh, you know, we, we had a candidate on the other day who, who just won a runoff election in Georgia, and he said the time for talking is great, but when you actually get into, like, the proximity of another human being and, and get to, like, talk to them that way and hear their general concerns, see their body language, see how you react – it resonates a lot more with the voters, and we don't get that from a lot of the candidates like we get with ones like you've done in your campaign. So true, man. So true. We find when we get together in a room with people, there is a magic, there's an electric energy, there's an intensity that happens. And also people come in, even if you know they watched a nasty negative ad about me or they saw a mailer from one of our opponents. They come in and what they really appreciate is A, the authenticity that we, that we speak with. They appreciate the, the, the reality uh, of, of being in the room with me. They appreciate the fact that we've got a hopeful America First vision. And then what they also appreciate is that like, we welcome everybody. Everybody knows at all of our events, they can ask any question they want. There's no pre-screening. My opponents only take pre-screened questions. And so when people see that and they know that they can ask any question and they see people ask tough questions, it really means that they leave with tremendous confidence. And what ends up happening is you can be in a room with 30 people, but they leave and they are that intense and that they're that fired up. They go out and each one of them speaks to 50 people over the course of the next two weeks. And it has a massive multiplier effect across the state. Yeah. No, it really does. And, and, you know, it's one of those things you'd mentioned your, uh, one of your opponents, Eric Schmidt, you know, he's recently been discovered that he's had some ties to some pretty 
radical and extremist type people, maybe even, uh, you know, ones that had made a, you know, calling for President Trump's assassination at one point. And uh, that doesn't seem like it uh, lines up with the MAGA agenda or, or is anything directly related to America first. It seems like it's pretty America last when you talk about not wanting someone who's in alignment with those policies to uh, win a Senate seat, get in there and, and keep the country on the track it, that it's currently on, which is the direct opposite of what you're running on. And, uh, you know, I know you fully intend once you, once you get into the Senate to, uh, you know, put the brakes on this Biden administration and get this country back on track. Yeah, we're going to get the country back on track. We're going to do it with America First Patriots, not just in the Senate and the House, but around the country. Right? For us to take the country back, it's going to take a revival. And that's why I so appreciate what you guys do, what I so appreciate what your listeners do. We are not. Politicians will tell you, well, you elect me and we're going to turn the country around. That's part of the equation. But it also means that like, we got to go out, we got to win the school board elections. We got to take over county executives. We need to take back the Republican Party from the rhinos and make it an America first party. People need to share the fact that they listen to the Steak for Breakfast podcast with their friends, right? So that they, they can help others get quality information. So yeah, we are going to take take the country back. And yeah, look, this latest thing, you know, Eric Schmidt is one of our opponents. He is a rhino. Everybody knows it. He was always kind of a leftist. You know, he'd call himself a moderate Republican, always doing deals with the leftist. Yep. And in this case, he's buddies with and still very recently buddies with a leftist senator um, in Missouri who literally called for the assassination of President Trump, mm. right? And when she did that, I said she needed to resign and, and he's her buddy. So on all of these issues, everybody sees a very stark contrast. Just in the same way, my opponents are all supporting Mitch McConnell. I was the first guy in the country to say that when I'm in the U.S. Senate, I'm voting against Mitch McConnell because mm -hmm. we need new America first leadership. Yep. So in the in the race in Missouri, people can see a very clear distinction. This is, you know, the MAGA movement versus McConnell. It's Eric Greitens versus Rhinos. And that's why we have so much support in the state. Yeah, it, it, it's really, you know, people want inflation to get under control. They want their gas prices to get lower. They want the yes. shelves stocked again. And it's, it's a pretty simple equation. We do have some America First Patriots in Congress right now, but one of the things we've been talking on the show for, for a little over a month now is as some of these narratives have really just absolutely spun out of control is that th those guys are, are doing a really good job of maintaining conservative and America first talking points, but we don't see enough action. Everything yes. from like the funding to Ukraine to the supply chain shortages, the amount of money, uh, you know, not being spent or diverted away from the crisis on the southern border and just the lack of leadership in the world right now. You know, we've we've seen so many different things. What's gone on in England, what's going on in Italy, what happened in Sri Lanka, uh, what's going on with the uh, the Dutch farmers. We saw, you know, uh, Shinzo Abe assassinated and there seems to be like a huge vacuum of leadership in the world and where everybody wants to be able to lean on and rely on the United States to be like that stalwart that's going to, you know, get everybody going back on the right track. We don't even have that right now. We saw Joe Biden this morning meet, uh, you know, MBS in Saudi Arabia, and he goes to give him a handshake, and Joe Biden gives him like a weird old man fist bump, and it was just the optics of it are awkward. embarrassing. So yeah, it really awkward. is. Yeah, no, it reminds you of when Obama bowed to the Saudi king, yep. right? It just sends these things like send a message, and the big message from the Biden administration when it comes to foreign policy is that they engage in a policy of American weakness mm -hmm. yep. and incompetence. Everybody saw it in Afghanistan. We talked about it on your show. Like a group of fifth graders could have better organized an evacuation. Mm -hmm. 
everybody knows that you evacuate your civilians before you take out the military. Yep. Everybody knows you take out your military equipment first. You don't leave $85 billion in military equipment behind for a terrorist enemy like the Taliban. All of those things that they've that they've seen from the Biden administration, including his war on American energy, yeah. which has made us weaker from a national security perspective and has also led to this massive inflation. When people see this from the Biden administration, they recognize that there is a crisis. The problem has also been, though, is that the Republican Party has failed to provide the kind of strong counter leadership that we need to see. In fact, you've seen rhinos support Joe Biden's $1.2 trillion Green New Deal. Yep. That was a complete failure. That's out of control spending. Rhinos should have passed a border wall. Keep in mind, Paul Ryan was in the House, McConnell was in the Senate when Trump became president of the United States. They should have passed a border wall then. They failed to do though do that. And yet now rhinos turn around and work with Joe Biden on his Green New Deal. So I think what the people are seeing is that they recognize A, mainstream media lies, B, they see the left's craziness, but they also look at the Republican Party and they see the corruption and the cowardice of the rhino establishment. And that's why they say we have to have real America first leaders who are willing to do what's right on behalf of the people. That's obviously why I'm here. Um, we've got two choices in this country. We either surrender to leftist tyranny or we revive the republic. You guys are here for the revival. I'm here for the revival. And I think everybody's willing to do their part. And that's the hopeful thing. Yes, it's a crisis, but people are stepping up, man. Amen to that. You did mention border walls. I'm going to have to say we use it as a metric on this show. And, and one of the things that we've broken down so far, we've been able to confirm that since the beginning of the, you know, whatever's going on in Ukraine right now, we've sent 14.75 border walls worth of cash over to Ukraine for, for what the government shut down for. One, one border wall, they shut the government down for, for months, and we've already sent almost 15 border walls worth of cash to Ukraine. That's a really good way to put it, man. I hadn't thought of it in exactly that way. Wow, you said 14.75 border walls. I mean, look, everybody recognizes this is a complete waste of money. We should be spending this money to secure our southern border. They're sending it to the heart of Joe Biden's corruption, mm -hmm. right? Right into Ukraine. And everybody recognizes their priorities are wrong. And again, this is a place where the American people got stabbed in the back again by rhinos who supported this instead of standing up for real uh, America first principles. You know, I've been down, we talked a little bit earlier, We I've been down to the border. Yes. Not, not just the Arizona and Texas side, but you guys remember, I went down to the Mexican side of the border. Yep. Right. So thousands of IDs, IDs from Egypt, the United Arab Emirates. This is a massive national security crisis. It is a humanitarian crisis. It is an economic crisis. And it is a completely self-imposed wound, which just is more evidence that leftists in the Biden administration are actively trying to destroy the country. Yeah, no, and, and you want to stay on that thread right now. I know you're running for a Senate seat, but we could touch on things in the House because what's going on right yeah. now, you know, directly affects all the Americans and what the new standard bearer would be of, of federal law enforcement moving forward. Let's talk about the January 6th committee. They've, they've tried to distract from all of this administration's failures, everything from the energy crisis in Afghanistan to the southern border and everything in between with this show trial, the unselect committee that's going on right now. Uh, they We've already had seen so many lies debunked. We've already seen so many narratives like Ray Epps removed from the equation when there's actual receipts. What's your narrative and uh, take on this whole thing? And 
you know, there's a real group of, uh, you know, Freedom Caucus patriots down there, the Gates, the Gosars, the MTGs, who are pushing back on this narrative as hard as they can. But uh, listen, 209 Republican reps in the House, you, you would expect to see a little bit more to kind of get this thing over and done with. Totally, man. Thank God for Gates. Thank God for MTG. Thank God for the fact that we have some people who are willing to stand up with courage. Look, if you look at the J6 committee, three key points. Number one is obvious. You touched on it. This is a massive distraction from all of Joe Biden's failures, right? Inflation, open borders, rising violence, military disasters abroad, his policy of weakness, his incompetence. A, this is a distraction. But B, keep in mind what they're doing, because strategically it's important to recognize what tyrants do and what leftists do is that they weaponize the law to attack their political opponents. What the J6 committee has done is weaponize this investigation to attack President Trump's MAGA allies. They arrest Dr. Peter Navarro in the airport. They go after Steve Bannon. They go after Rudy Giuliani. They go after Kimberly Guilfoyle. They go after Donald Trump Jr. It's all part and parcel of the leftist package of fear and intimidation. And that's what they're doing with the J6 committee. The third thing that's happening, and you touched on it, and it is so important, is that they're using it to whitewash what actually happened. Where is the investigation into Nancy Pelosi's office? They should be asking those questions. You talked about Ray Epps, and we've seen this play before. The mainstream media just writes this New York Times puff piece on Ray Epps instead of actually investigating this guy. Where's the investigation into federal involvement in January 6th? On all of these questions and more, it's clear that this is simply a politicized committee meant to distract from Biden's failures, attack President Trump's allies. And every and the good news is everybody sees through it. Yeah, no, I mean, you're 100% correct. Uh, you know, I, I was listening to uh, Devin Nunes and Cash Patel. They did a podcast together uh, earlier this week, and they were saying, you know, putting taking those House Republicans to task, especially all the new ones that are going to be coming in, because we have so many of them on this show, the America First ones who are saying, you know, articles of impeachment, they're, they're already drafting them in their heads because there's so many different angles they can go. Mayorkas, Merrick Garland, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, uh, you know, Austin, Milley. Uh, so many different people that need to be held accountable for the mess ups that they've done that have led to real people dying, this country's economy tanking, uh, loss of energy independence and everything in between. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see if, if they hold up to their words. It seems like, the, you know, based off so many of these people that are running in races have in some way, shape or form been connected to the, the Trump White House, whether, you know, it was at governors like you or people that were staffers in the administration, like John Gibbs worked with Ben Carson at HUD. You have Max Miller, who was a, you know, White House official and stuff like that. Uh, they got and a, a Marine and a Marine and a Marine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> real, real, but they got a real chip on their shoulder, you know, and it's one of those things. It's not going to be like they're just saying these things as talking points. We see candidates who are really resonating with their, uh, you know, voter base. And it looks like they're going to take that chip on their shoulder to Washington, D.C., because they remember what happened to all you guys uh, throughout the course of the Trump administration. I mean, you yourself went through a lot of stuff. And I I firmly believe that a lot of that stuff that happened to you when you were the governor has to do with your strong ties to the America First agenda and how loyal you were to President Trump. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Now, here's here's the good news in all of this is that the country has changed massively over the course of the last six years. And 
The American people now see through the lies. It used to be that rhinos would get up and they would lie and they'd, they'd use their corporate money to buy a bunch of commercials that ran during the mainstream media shows and people would see those commercials and they'd believe the rhino lies. But you know what? After two and a half, what is it? Three and a half years of the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, mm -hmm. after two terrible fake impeachments, after the sham J6 committee, after the mainstream media lying and saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation, after the mainstream media lying and saying that coronavirus came from bat soup, and if you dared to ask a question about it, they called you racist. Mm -hmm. After all of their attacks against General Flynn and Brett Kavanaugh, the yeah. fact that people have figured out what their game is and they know if you're a real threat, if you're a Matt Gates, guess what? They're going to lie about you. Yep. They're going to attack you. They're going to viciously go after the people who are threats. And just, just yesterday, actually, a guy was telling me, that he was talking to a bunch of voters in Missouri and they said, well, who do you like for the U.S. Senate? And they said, Greitens. And they said, why? Um, and he said, you know what? He said, I just now look for whoever the media attacks. Yep. He said, if the media attacks them, you're that's on the target. My yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because they, they know you're going to cause the most damage, uh, you know, when you get in there in regards to, uh, you know, getting this country going in the right direction because – there's very few people right now. They they talk about Joe Biden's poll numbers. I think they were like you know chirping that it was under thirty percent for the first time. Uh, it, it dipped under thirty. But listen, it has to be lower than that. I mean, I know the absolute elite who, regardless of what happens in this country, unless we literally get invaded and taken over by China, everything that Joe Biden does to ruin this country isn't going to affect them because they're so rich. It just doesn't bother them. But for the overwhelming majority of the people who live here, even the people that are considered wealthy. This economy is in such a bad shape right now that, you know, it's affecting everybody. Yeah. And and, you know, one one of the like parallel stats that's actually, I think, really helpful is that they just came out with the latest numbers. I think it was Pew. Don't quote me on that. The latest numbers about confidence of Americans in the mainstream media, mm -hmm. mainstream media TV and mainstream media newspapers. And you know what the confidence was? It was 16% in TV and 11% in newspapers. Ooh. 16 and 11. Now think about like how massive a change that is in our world. I mean, when I was growing up, right? Yeah, the, I grew up outside of St. Louis. It was the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, which now is a complete like leftist trash newspaper that nobody reads. But when you were growing up, if somebody said they questioned the newspaper, you would have looked at them funny. Like the newspaper is the weather right. and sports and the facts, right? But now everyone has seen all of the illusions have been ripped away and we see the political agenda of the mainstream media and of newspapers. And so, you know, the same number of people who trust the mainstream media are probably the same number of people who actually think Joe Biden's doing a good job because those are the only people who are saying it. And so, yeah, I, my guess is it's below 20%. Yeah, no, you're 100% you're correct. I mean, when I was young, you'd wake up in the morning, you'd have the paper on your doorstep, you'd flip through, you'd right. see the cover stories and you'd look at sports. Uh, that's the way you would get your movie times as well. Yes, we're that old. But then, you know, you'd come home in the evening and you'd have like your local evening news and then you'd end it with a nightcap of either Peter Jennings or Dan Rather, Tom Brokaw, one of those guys. And and they would give you a narrative and you'd be like, eh, looks like the country's on the right track or eh, it looks like the country needs to get a little bit better. But it was never like it is now where they just like 
literally make up anything and just run with it as like, if we say it enough times, everyone will believe it. So let's just get it out there and keep it in the news cycle. Yeah, I think that's right. I think what people have been surprised by years ago, but now they accept this truth, is that the mainstream media doesn't just distort things. They out and out lie. Right. Yeah. It was the mainstream media who came up along with the Democrats and the rhino establishment came up with the lie that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. Obviously, it wasn't. Obviously, it was real. Yeah. And so people realize now that the mainstream media, they don't just even put their spin on things. They will come up with straight out lies and they'll spend millions of dollars worth of airtime promoting those lies. But again, the good news is people in America are smart, man. People have figured it out and they're onto the mainstream media game and MAGA patriots are the ones who are leading the way. No, they really are. And, uh, you know, it, it's great. We, we've seen some really great polling numbers. You know, we've always tracked them and we shared them throughout the course of your campaign. You've always been the front runner in regards to the, you know, Republican primary. And then we saw over the course of the last few days, some really great numbers projected for the, the general election where I, I believe and I'm, I'm trying to remember the best again, 94 percent chance that, that you would win the Senate seat if you made it to the general election. But the, the best part about your campaign is and it's one we see with so many candidates who have had such great success throughout this primary season if you don't take your foot off the gas, you're going to have an even more successful outcome than, than those numbers are projecting. And, and we've literally seen it with a lot of these candidates. So, Governor, I think the most important thing we want to be able to do for you in these last crucial days, we probably won't link up with you until after the, the primary is over and before the general election, is whatever you need from our listenership. You know, we have such a huge uh, national base and, and getting those out-of-state donations in there. But the people who live in Missouri who live you know, listen for steak for breakfast and believe in this campaign. How can they help get engaged in, in these crucial last couple of weeks before the election? Cool. Thanks, man. Four key things. Number one, vote. Okay. It's August 2nd, August 2nd. If you're going to be out of the state or out of town on August the 2nd, go in now and vote absentee. You can do that. You can go in and sign up. Make sure that you vote on August 2nd. Number two, tell your friends and your family to vote. Make sure that everybody knows that this is a time when we need everybody to go in and let their voice be heard. Mm -hmm. Number three, continue to spread the word. If you haven't done it already, please sign up on our website at ericgreitens.com. And when you get information from the campaign, email it out to your friends. Let people know. And then fourth and finally, we're going to be all over the state. We're going to host a, uh, a showing, for example, of 2,000 mules down in Branson, Missouri, which nice. is going to be awesome, right? So anybody's in southwest Missouri, come out and join us for that. Come out and join us on the campaign as we're doing these stops and help us to spread the word. Yeah, we're going to do uh... – Make sure this episode will be out this afternoon. We always get a huge, big listenership in here, enjoying it over the weekend. We, of course, share it all the way up until our next one. We'll live link everything you got in the show description today. And, uh, you know, like I said, as soon as the primary is over, we wish you the best of uh, health and luck and uh, continue to do what you're doing. We'll be sure to invite you back for a general election update. But uh, can you give our listenership your campaign website and your uh, social medias? Thanks, man. Yeah, it's at Eric Greitens, just at E-R-I-C-G-R-E-I-T-E-N-S. And a website's the same, 
ericgreitens.com, E-R-I-C-G-R-E-I-T-E-N-S.com. And absolutely, we'll be back on with you guys for the steak for breakfast. We can celebrate the primary victory and talk about how we're gonna how we're gonna take the country back. Hell yeah. Yeah, we, we wish you the best, Governor, and uh, we can't wait to see that those results come out in just, uh, like you said, 17 and a half days now. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Senatorial candidate, America first. Great state of Missouri. Eric Ryan, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Hell of a way to end the week, if I do say so myself. What do you think, Noah? Not bad. Not bad at all. Sitting down and doing some news, having a great conversation with great friends, meeting some new ones for the first time, and, uh, of course, getting some updates about, well, look at it this way. Abe Hamaday came on Steak for Breakfast on a Friday. He got endorsed by President Trump. Uh, Jim Bognett came on Steak for Breakfast on a Friday. He got endorsed by President Trump. Same day. We're two, two for two. Eric Greitens, we know everybody's pushing for it. He came on the show today. We can only hope with that uh, primary election coming up soon that he's going to get the nod from Poppy. Can't imagine he wouldn't. If you want to hear about all the other candidates that uh, we may or may not have had any influence over getting endorsed, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podaddict, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, and now even on Frank's speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Leave a review. And don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds this week. Obviously, go to all of our great guests. Garrett Ziegler, thanks for joining us today. Ms. Christina Bob of Save America and senatorial candidate out of the Show Me State, Mr. Eric Greitens. In addition to that, some of our internet friends. Tagbro88, the patriotic babe accounts, Mr. Garbaggio. Hugh White Memes, amazing collaboration on the Mr. Fantastic Hunter Biden. One we threw together this week. And Tom Pappert. Together in chief of Valiant News Live. Friends, don't forget to go out there and support our partners because when you do that, the only thing that happens is you help make small American businesses great again. My pillow. Will Mike Lindell be the next trade secretary in a future Trump administration? We could only hope. Because not only is everybody getting. <laughs> I, I didn't even thought of that. Have the best night's sleep they've ever owned. Uh, we're going to hear Mike Lindell telling everybody how to help make this country great again. Support the people over at My Pillow. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website. Enter the same steak as your promo code at checkout. Big, big savings there. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and all things related. Studio recording can be found at Odyssey. Can't say enough good things, great things about these headphones. Best I've ever owned. Got to get yourself a pair. Odyssey.com is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready gear holsters. If you want to hear... Uh, Joe Biden going off on reporters again, like we played during the show. They'll put one of those mean grandpas on a concealed carry Kydex holder, and they'll get that order out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. Delicious. Mm. Do we have any man rubs related material this week? I know we're not allowed to say the thing anymore. Um, Although we did play an audio clip from her. Oh, no. Miss Bikini Bottoms herself. Bottoms? Sorry. You buy it, you shake it, you rub it. Are you saying that because the things that were on top were also on the bottom? Yes. <laughs> you could throw it in any kind of cooking apparatus that you choose, and after a few hours, take it out, pull it out, slather it with your favorite sauce, and then right into your mouth. Don't say slather right now. Num, num, num. <laughs> oh, I got a dry heave instead of a garrison. I like it. <laughs> Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms got a pretty simple equation for all your gun-related needs. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. 
WestCoastSurvivalArms.com is the website. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic for all our first responders. You're going to love all the gear they've got down there. You're going to like their Instagram a little bit more. Check them out at MediocreMedic.com. And uh, if you still haven't gotten yourself a Zero Fucks Duck, I'm telling you what, you're missing out. Dumpbox.us. Go talk to Mark Joe Friday. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. Upcoming shows. We're going to be back on Tuesday. Show's going to be out a little bit later due to some scheduling conflicts, but we're going to be bringing you the spokeswoman for the 45th President of the United States again, Liz Harrington. Steak for breakfast in Dorser will be back. Uh, next Friday, we'll be wrapping the week. So far, we've got Mike Crispy lined up. He's going to come in. He's going to do a little bit of the news. He's going to tell everybody about this new endeavor he's got going on. He's kind of uh, rebranding his whole show um, while he works on whether or not he's going to decide to announce if he's going to run for uh, that house seat. He better. Yeah, in New Jersey 3 again. On um, following Tuesday, the 26th of July, we'll have Cash Patel and Boris Epstein. Nice. Nailed it. Uh, and on August 2nd, Rick Grinnell is going to be coming in with us. I got a couple other ones lined up. We've got a, uh, one of Cash's great friends. He is a Marine because they never retire. Mm-hmm. He's the former assistant secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, and now he's doing some art to help disabled veterans. Uh, we're going to be sitting down with him soon. He already sounds like the better of the secretaries we've... I, I do like it. Just started talking with Mary Miller's people. She's going to be coming on the show. And then, of course, Adam Lexalt's going to be joining us soon. Uh, Dr. Navarro's rolling out his newest book. We've got him lined up. And I talked to Amanda Millius for the first time in a while last night because I put up a nice shit post that supported how she was blowing up everybody on the Breitbart podcast on this Tuesday. And she said she'll be back towards the end of August. So nice. great friends coming in hot. And speaking of which... Uh, Hugh White memes and Man of America helped launch that Hunter Biden, Mr. Fantastic. Real can't say enough about you guys. You guys are some of the best in the business. But in addition to them, let's go Brenda, Silent Meme Jordy, Mostly Peaceful, and That Southern Dude are going to be starting a podcast soon. They're both going to be joining us before they launch. Not Far Out, Dank Elvis, Dumbass Photoshop, Machiavelli Memes. Mm, Of course, Grand Old Memes and Baby Cakes 2.0. Can't go wrong. That's it. Guys, things to remember between now and Tuesday. Number one, do your own research. Pretty simple. Don't have to explain it too much. Pick up something, open up a browser, type in a question, things you want to know about more. Maybe some of the narrative we uh, started to develop for you on this show. Do your own research. Share your feelings. That's it. Number two, start a podcast. Edits today. We'll see. I like it. Hate when we time travel. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. We don't talk about it enough. We need to start talking about American greatness. And number four, let's see what happens. It's a lot uh, more meaningful this week than not. We do hope to be attending the Trump rally this weekend. We'll have a full uh, report on our Tuesday edition of the show. However, it's still up in the air at this point. Not for us, but for the big guy due to some recent developments. So we will literally see what happens. Guys, this has been episode 152 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, and we'll be back on Tuesday with Miss Liz Harrington and some probably other guests yet to be determined. Mm. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Rowan. Noah? Later. Excellent. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, and take care.
know Joe Byron right now. A, B, C, D, E, for you and your mom and your sister and your job and your broke-ass car and that shit you call are for you and your friends that I'll never see again. Everybody but your dog, you can walk fuck up. Nah, 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 nah.